Okay. Uh, good morning, church. Uh, this is our ninth daily breath. So uh, just a quick recap. Um, on uh, last week, we had Han speak about uh, the legion uh, and the and the pigs flying off of the edge of the cliff, and we had Mo talking about the uh, the the lady that was bleeding for twelve years. So uh, today we'll continue the uh, the story of Jesus and the disciples. And uh, why don't we begin with uh, an opening prayer? Uh, Father God, thank you so much for this time to reflect upon your word. May the passage here this morning become a seed that grows in our hearts, not just today, but for all days. Uh, we thank you for this time and for everyone that is able to be here as we dig uh, into your into your word. Please fill us with the Holy Spirit as we cover Mark chapter 6. We love you and give all praise to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, okay, so let me read uh, Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 29. Uh, here we begin. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He cannot do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except the staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. <clears throat> Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if in any place will not welcome you or listen to you, Leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Uh, chapter four, or verse 14, sorry. King Herod heard about this for Jesus' name had become well known. They were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said, he is Elijah. And others still, and still others claimed he is a prophet like the, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put up in prison. He did this because of Heroditus, Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John, for John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to take your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, uh, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet of his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came and came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, 
ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her an oath. Whatever you ask, I will give to you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried into the king with the request. I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed. But because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. So um, that's John. Uh, that's the word of God. That's Mark. Uh, Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 29. Uh, and the research I've done, Mark chapter 6 especially begins to highlight what discipleship really looks like. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What is expected of Jesus' disciples? What is the cost of discipleship? Those are some of the, the questions that um, we really begin to dive into as we read into uh, Mark chapter 6. Um, and really, you can kind of break it up into three sections. Um, we'll look at first verses 1 through 6. Uh, and and these, the, these three themes, they may seem unrelated, but they do have a common theme to reveal what it really means to follow Jesus. Uh, and, and we'll get into that here. Um, the first chap, uh, verses 1 through 6 in, in chapter 6 of Mark is rejection at home. Mm-hmm. The people of his hometown of Nazareth are amazed and astonished by the teachings of Jesus. But notice this amazement and astonishment does not lead to them following Christ. This is because they lack faith. Uh, as a matter of fact, they question him and how they got his learning and are very skeptical of Jesus, further proving that they have uh, a lack of faith, which is shown in verses 2 uh, verses two through 3. Uh, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. And they go into the, question, the questioning of Jesus. Where did this man get these things? Where is his wisdom given to him? And so on and so forth. So um, they're questioning uh, how Jesus came to uh, perform the miracles that he had been performing. Um, the people are also talking about Jesus's background, his occupation as a carpenter, his family. Um, and the issue is that the people only saw Jesus's human side. They were denying Jesus's divinity uh, by asking these doubting questions. Uh, and really, we all as humans, um, Beth and I are transplants. We're we, we all have a longing to go back to our hometowns, and Jesus was no different. Uh, I know that I always enjoy going back to Michigan, seeing old friends, uh, revisiting familiar places and restaurants, uh, and, and really just enjoying my time being back at home. And Jesus was no different. But the people of Nazareth's rejection and questioning of Jesus leads directly to, isn't, to his inability to perform the mighty works and miracles that he had been performing. Um, notice that he's only able to lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Uh, and in verse six, Jesus shows that he's amazed at uh, at the lack of faith that the people of uh, Nazareth ha- Nazareth has. Um, it's not that Jesus can't perform miracles without faith. We know that he performs many miracles uh, for people that have not shown any faith at all. But it's more so that people that do have faith come to seek Jesus. Um, and again, going back to Friday's me- Friday's message about um, the woman that had blood for twelve years, she seeked out Jesus. Seek out Jesus. Um, oftentimes, it's our lack of faith that blocks what Jesus can do in our lives. Because sometimes we refuse to come to Him, uh, and that's something that 
Um, and, and that's exactly what's happening here with the people in Nazareth. Uh, there's no reason for Jesus to do any miracles in Nazareth because the people don't see Jesus as the one who's coming to rescue and heal. Instead, they see him again in his human form uh, and not in his godly form. So that's the first theme, um, Jesus being rejected at home. The second is Jesus being rejected in the cities. Uh, as Jesus is, in, as, is rejected in Nazareth, he goes and leaves and, and goes among the villages um, preaching. And in uh, verse 7, he sends out uh, the 12 disciples. And he sends them out how? Two by two. And he gives them authority over impure spirits. Um, why does Jesus send them out two by two? Uh, that's a question you, you may have asked yourself as you were reading this passage. And for those of you that were at the shepherd's retreat, um, Pastor Paul talked about uh, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. And let me read that here real quick. Um, Two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So that's why Jesus sends them out two by two. Just like um, typically when we have our house churches, we don't have just one shepherd, right? We have a shepherd and a co-shepherd. Um, it's no different because two people, uh, again, can, 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 keep, can keep each other accountable and can motivate and encourage one another um, especially when things get difficult. And notice in verse 8 that Jesus sends them out only with uh, a staff, which is not a weapon, but is, which back then is, is more a walking stick, uh, a staff and sandals. Uh, there's no bread, no bag, no money, uh, no extra shirt, which in those days, uh, an extra shirt or an extra garment would be more um, used as a blanket. Uh, Jesus gives these instructions not to be uh, legalistic like Pharisees, but more to teach these disciples to grow in maturity and work as independent gospel workers. And really, um, this theme of, of going out two by two, that's the most central part. Jesus sending out the 12 disciples is the most central part of today's message. Um, and, and Jesus is teaching them really to solely depend on God and only God. If you have no money, you have no clothes, you have no nothing but a walking stick and sandals, I mean, really, and you're going out to, to preach um, you're going out to preach, that's really all you can do is re- rely upon God. And so again, you may have missed it, but what are they preaching? These disciples are preaching that they, um, where was that? They are uh, to, uh, pe- they're to preach repentance. Uh, and so again, this is the very first time that disciples are going out without Jesus. So uh, assuredly, they're probably excited. They're probably nervous. Uh, and it's understandable if they wanted to prepare everything that they had in order to have the perfect mission experience. But notice that Jesus tells them again, just to bring their staff and sandals. But also, um, Jesus doesn't promise that, that their mission is going to go easy or that it's going to go well. Um, Jesus is preparing the disciples, uh, to experience rejection because Jesus even calls that, um, when they have rejection to just move along to the next, uh, to the next house. Right. Because we all we all experience rejection, um, especially if we're trying to bring the gospel uh, to VIPs. So uh, as we get experience rejection, just know that the disciples and Jesus experienced it first. So do not be discouraged. 
Um, uh, again, Jesus wanted the, the disciples to preach about repentance, which is the very same message that John the Baptist proclaimed uh, at the very beginning of Lent in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 4. Um, John, the, John the Baptist was proclaiming for everyone to repent, uh, and the disciples are doing the same thing. Um, <clears throat> which is a good segue to uh, John the Baptist again towards the second half or the latter part of, of this passage. Uh, but Jesus was, uh, he, he gave his disciples the, uh, the authority to uh, drive out impure, spirit, impure spirits. Um, and again, he sent them out to, to go on their way. Again, the, so now we're going to go into the third theme, uh, which is covers more verses 14 through 29, but it's rejection by authorities. So uh, this has all been leading again to um, this final this final theme uh, where people are trying to figure out who Jesus is and what, what, what did they do with him? So some thought that uh, he was John the Baptist that had been reincarnated from the dead. Uh, others thought he was Elijah uh, again, and even others thought he was a prophet from the olden times. But Herod thought really that Jesus was John the Baptist raised from the dead. Um, and he probably thought that because Herod had killed John the Baptist. So in those verses, we're kind of um, taking a look back and, and, and understanding what had happened to John the Baptist. And uh, as, as the verses covered, Herod had divorced his wife and he took his brother's wife, Herodias, and John had rebuked Herod about that. And, and so... Uh, Herodias held a grudge against John. And although Herod had John in prison, Herod was afraid of John. And he knew that he was righteous and he knew that he was a holy man. So he was afraid to do anything more than that. But then the story goes that Heroditus, his, his daughter during Herod's uh, birthday party, uh, you know, did a, a dance and, and really uh, allowed Heroditus to um, to be able to manipulate um, Herod in order to get John uh, the Baptist executed. And so really, uh, you know, as I read through that, I was like, well, that's really interesting why we kind of diverge and go into the story of John the Baptist. But John the Baptist, and I think Mark puts puts that story back in there because John the Baptist is really a forerunner, forerunner for what Jesus is going to experience. Uh, it's foreshadowing what Jesus would go through. Both John and Jesus are executed by civil authorities. Again, Jesus is rejected by authorities. Pontius Pilate, just like Herod, um, hesitates in executing Jesus, but eventually succumbs to pressure. Um, the chief priests, just like Herodias, they scheme and they pressure their way into executing not only John the Baptist, but also, as we'll see, Jesus. Um, and lastly, the disciples of Jesus, just like the disciples of John, um, come to bury him uh, in the tomb. So Jesus... Uh, just like John is, is again, reject, rejected by the authorities. Um, and again, it's a foreshadowing of what's to come. So as we wrap up here, the true discipleship uh, and the true follow of Jesus is ready to suffer. Um, but it's also ready to continue to preach even when rejected. So it's, it's the common theme uh, of rejection. Uh, but uh, just know that, that a true follow is ready to suffer. Uh, and even in the midst of suffering, we continue to preach, uh, whether it's the good news or whether it's um, uh, whether it's uh, repentance. So let me close us with prayer here.
Father God, thank you so much for being the light of this world. Thank you for showing us that we do not need to rely on our strengths or even ourselves, but that we only need to rely upon you. Even when faced upon rejection, you guide us, and we know that co-laboring with you uh, and that we are never alone. Thank you for never failing us and for being enough, being enough for us. We glorify your name and give all praise to you. In your son's name we pray. Uh, amen.